our Bibles to Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5. We're going to finish what we started this morning. We'll read verses 18 through 20. When he was come to the ship, he that had been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with him. Albeit Jesus suffered him not, but saith unto him, Go home. Go home to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee and hath had compassion on thee. And he departed. And he began a publishing ministry in Decapolis. Publish is not changed in its meaning. Now, there are different ways to do it. But you're talking about getting the news out in mass to as many people as possible. He did that in Decapolis, 10 cities. That's a large area. He began to do that in Decapolis, how great things Jesus had done for him and all men. Did marvel. Christ in his ministry was constantly seeking the salvation of souls. And here we see in his ministry, this is the eastern side of the Sea of Galilee and an area of 10 cities. This is a lot of homework that he's given to a brand new Christian. And let me ask you this can you imagine the responsibility when he says, You go home and you tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee and hath had compassion on thee? And he is doing this without any gospel tracts in his pocket. He's, he doesn't have a soul winner's New Testament. He's never been through uh, discipleship or been taught how to lead a soul to Christ. He doesn't have the Romans Road. He doesn't have a little gospel plastic card that he can even go through or read through. He doesn't have a church to back him up. He can't invite anyone to his local church because he doesn't have a local church. He can't take his pastor by or find another soul-winning friend to help him out. He is all alone with the testimony. That's it. And Christ said, you have enough to do what you're supposed to do. And we see in Scripture, he did exactly what he was supposed to do and was highly successful. Now, a big part of that is when people see that kind of change in a person, they certainly are going to want to know what exactly caused the change. I know some people aren't a witness because they don't have enough testimony in their place of business or with their family to actually witness effectively. If you're not living the right kind of life, if you're not setting an example, if they're not looking at you saying, that person has a marriage, uh, and that's something I would like to have. They're rearing children that are pretty, pretty good kids, and they seem to be happy all the time. If they're looking at your life saying, my marriage is better than theirs, and my kids are more behaved than theirs, and I'm a happier person than they are, why would they want to listen to anything you have to say about life and answers and solutions and Jesus Christ changing your life? This is why it's so important they see. But what they saw in him was an extremely drastic difference. But church, I, I wanted, once again, I don't think I can... Reiterated enough, you guys know over the years, 13 years, I've preached on soul winning so many times, included so many messages. As soon as I mention it, some of you tune me out, turn me off. Here we go. Another message on soul winning. Absolutely. Until we have people being reached every day of the week. I thank God for those that got saved this week, and I thank God for those that got saved this week. We had, let me just say this about soul winning. I, I think most churches don't reach the lost because of a wrong perspective and a wrong approach to soul winning. So much of soul winning is relationship-based. Soul winning is not about a two-hour endeavor or a 30-minute presentation 
Soul winning is about connecting with people, learning how to connect, getting the door open, sitting down, helping them clearly understand the gospel. And here's what we're going to have the opportunity to do. So much work has already been put in, thousands of hours of work have already been put in. If you consider the kids that have already been signed up, those that have been brought to church that will be brought back, kids that have never gotten saved that will be coming here, and teachers and their study and brother gear and the material that's been written and put together. But here's what we need. Now we need the church body corporately. And not one person considering themselves the exception. Here's what you want to do if you consider yourself the exception. Tonight there's an altar open. If we're not truly soft and begging God, God, would you do a work in me so that I can be used to do a work this week for you? To rescue one soul. I remember years ago, Dad had an old book. I like reading old books by old authors and Tales of American Heroes. And in there they told a a story about a a ship that went down on uh, Lake Michigan. A young man had his friends tie a rope around his waist and he swam out, saved 17 of the 100 that were drowning in those waters. When they pulled him back the last time, too exhausted to go back out again, he asked me, he said, do you think I did my best because so many more are yet perishing? One man seeking to save a hundred lives. How many could have been saved had everybody said, tie a rope to me? And when you're tired, I'll continue. But too often, here's what we do. We look at ourselves as being exempt because I'm, I just, I don't, I don't like to speak to people. I, I don't know how to talk to young people. I don't connect well with children. You will have every excuse under the sun to allow the world to die and go to hell and until you rip away the facade of the lie that whatever lie Satan gives you. I live too far away. I'm too busy. I've got a job. Church, I'm trying to help you out tonight. This week is prefabricated for you to win us all. The multitudes will be here. The messages will be preached. The kids will respond. All you have to do is say, I want to be involved. That's all you have to do. All you have to say is, God, I I want to be a useful tool. God, I want to get the gospel out. I want to witness someone. And here's what, when you're wanting to see people say, we have so many between bus routes that are run in Spanish church, and there are new contacts. This is one of those churches where there are literally new contacts coming through all to every week of the year, there are new contacts. And if you want to witness to someone, we had a guy come to town with his wife on vacation. They went out to Marble Falls and something happened. She needed a minor surgery the next day to go to South Austin. And she has been basically brain dead ever since that surgery. He, at the hospital, started looking for a church. Someone at South Austin said, there's a Baptist church over here. The pastor speaks Spanish. He came over here on a Tuesday night. God's allowed us to, to minister to them and help them and love on them and pray for them. And this afternoon, he got born again. Amen. It's not accidental that God puts people in your lives like that so you can show them the love of the Lord Jesus Christ and at the same time point them to Jesus so they have the hope, some level of hope. I can't imagine being in that circumstance. 
I, I can't imagine taking a vacation and having a vacation that you feel like will never end because of the tragedy that took place during those few short days that you thought were going to be filled with happiness. There are people hurting everywhere, and God has provided us an opportunity, and Satan has provided us a lie that said, well, you just can't, you can't get involved. There are literally seven days of harvest, seven days of harvest that God has given us. We need every single person involved in some level. If you take care of the safety in the parking lot, folks, we are here to show people the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you've ever been full of the love of the Lord Jesus Christ, this is the time to be full of the love of Jesus. Amen. You have kids coming from homes that don't know anything about love. They don't know who mommy is. They don't know who daddy is. They don't know which of those three men is their actual dad. Some have never met their biological dad. Physical abuse, sexual abuse. All kinds of stuff that they suffer in a school setting. And here's what God's going to do. God's going to allow us to put them in a church setting where they can come under uh, the influence of the gospel and allow God to work. And guess how God's going to work? If they walk through those doors and they feel, they shouldn't just see it. Those kids ought to feel the love of God when they walk through those doors. Every single word ought to be a kind word. Every face they see ought to be radiating the Lord Jesus Christ. You say, Pastor, my normal look is a little sadly, a little dull, a little... Change your normal look. Adjust it at the door. Find some way to go beyond your normal and go to the supernatural. Allow God to do something in there. Now, if this man, without a Bible, without a uh, Romans Road, without a local church, without a VBS, without a team connection, can feel motivated to reach. Now, read your Bibles. In, in this chapter, Luke 8, here's what you find. He did his work well enough that things happened in this area and Christ's return was well received because you had someone chased out and yet there was a voice that was publishing the gospel. And the crowd changed their demeanor towards Christ in a general way because of one man that decided to publish the love of the Lord Jesus Christ and said, if he changed me, he can certainly change you. Church, if, if we don't, let me ask you this. Let me, let me just give you a few reasons to remind you, not that you need them, but maybe we just need a short reminder tonight. There, there are a lot of reasons why we should be a witness, but one of those is you are probably the only light that God has in that dark place. We're Calvinists and don't even realize it. Well, if I don't do anything, if I don't lift a finger, if I don't pass out a track, if I don't say anything, God will use someone else or something. No, 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 that's not the way life works. There's 7.9 billion people on this planet, and at least 30% of them have never heard a clear presentation of the gospel, not because there's not a Christian to get them the gospel. Because most Christians refuse to get them the gospel. He said, go home, start with your family. The same ones that have isolated you, the same ones that hate you, they ought to like you a little bit more now that you're not full of the devil, now that you've taken a bath, now that you've shaved that hair, and now that you smell, and now that you actually put clothes on, don't run around in your birthday suit, maybe you'll be a little bit more uh, uh, acceptable if the family functions... 
you're not getting your family the gospel, I, I thank God for those that have gotten saved and been able to, it took time, it took patience, it took prayer, but little by little, they've been able to win their mothers and brothers and uncles and aunts and thank God for that, but don't give up. You say, mine haven't responded yet. It's been six, seven, eight, ten years. Don't give up. Don't ever give up the salvation of your family. But here's what happens. God has placed you in a spot I'm convinced in that company, in that business, in that neighborhood, in that area, you are the light. God, God has you strategic. How many believe that God is strategic in his placement? Imagine if every light in this auditorium was simply turned on in the place that God has strategically placed them. The businesses, whether that's groceries or whatever you normally buy, the clothes, the places you shop, the gas station where you fill up your car, wherever it is, does anybody in that place even know that a Christian has walked through those doors? Any light get turned on during those 20 minutes? Any light at all? I mean, light so dull. What, what if you just left a track on the sink of the counter in the bathroom and no one even has to know it's you? I mean, you can be an undercover Christian and still be a light. They say, Pastor, I can't, I, I, I don't have the boldness to give out the gospel. Do the slide. Take the track and do this cross-the-counter slide. Just leave it there gently where no one will see it, but it's sooner or later they'll notice it. Somehow, some way, you've got to say, I've got to find a way. And I thank God. I thank God for the involvement in this church. I truly don't know of church, numerically speaking, statistically speaking, as a greater uh, level of involvement, whether that's street ministry or bus ministry or nursing home. I mean, we have so many different people uh, ministering in so many different places. But whatever the case, I don't want to use all that busyness. I have debated some of my most heated arguments with pastors is over evangelism. We have lied to ourselves. Sowing the seed is not our full duty. Sowing the seed is the initial step. And here's what we do. Well, if I pass out this track, well, if I do this mail out, well, if I leave them a little Bible verse, well, if I write a letter, we ought to be doing all of that. Look for ways to get the gospel out, and all of us have ways. Young people, find a way to be a witness. But at the end of the day, here's what we do. That's simply to appease our conscience to say, oh, no, I'm a gospel witness. No, we're spiritually lazy bums. There's got to be something more where we take someone from a lack of knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ to a full understanding, and that takes time, and that takes investment, and that takes relationship, and that's a step we don't want to take. We want to take step one. We want to take a baby step. And if I knock on the door and I leave, I had a pastor tell me the other day, well, we realize so many hasn't worked, and we're going to turn to door hangers. So we've just ordered 50,000 door hangers, and that's going to be our evangelistic program. We are lying to ourselves and then buying the lie that we created. A door hanger is not a fulfillment of the Great Commission. It's a baby step in the fulfillment of the Great Commission. Holding up a sign on the street corner, knocking on a door, Inviting a child to vacation Bible school. How many understand? That is a step in fulfilling the Great Commission. That is not fulfilling the Great Commission. You know why most people have never let us hold of Christ? They think the Great Commission is as, as long as I take a baby step in the direction, I'm good. No, 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 no. We're supposed to take someone 
to the full understanding of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and present them the opportunity to respond. Anything short of that is not a fulfillment of the Great Commission. So this generation, this generation has hung their hat on a lie that no other, no other generation could hang their hat on because they didn't have gospel tracts to pass out. They actually had to converse. They actually had to speak to people. They actually had to share their testimony. They actually had to talk about the gospel. They didn't have door hangers. I'm thankful for all those. I'm not criticizing those things. We were talking tonight about mail outs, and I, I had an extended conversation. Uh, some of our church members are there, and I hate arguing with preachers. I hate to do it. But when you're right, you got to argue. <laughs> Spending tens of thousands of dollars on a mail out is not fulfilling the Great Commission. We've lied to ourselves, and we told ourselves that is the Great Commission. That is not the fulfilling of the Great Commission. The Great Commission is getting people to Jesus Christ, amen, helping them understand their condition. And he hears, church, let me help you out. When you deal with kids this next week and teenagers at night, whether they raise their hand or not, you want to be able to sit down. You've got to connect with them. First thing you need to do is figure out their name. Talk to them for a moment. Connect with them on some level. Don't Go through your, I've got four verses highlighted in my Bible. So I'm going to take you to Romans uh, 3.10, and then Romans 3.23, and then Romans 6.23, and then Romans 5.8-12, and now we're at Romans 10.9 and 10. Would you like to be saved? We're dealing with kids in this generation who've never gone to church. They've been told that nothing is wrong. There is no sin. There is no hell. Know nothing about Jesus Christ being the Savior. You better take a few minutes. You better slow down. You better ask a few questions. I'm, I'm all for Revelation 20 and 21, explaining to them we're going to stand before God. We're going to die someday. But you better make sure they understand that there is sin that has to be paid for, and Christ paid for that sin, and no good work will ever pay for that sin. And there's no way to escape hell, and every person that's ever lived on this planet deserves hell. If we do not take them step by step, this generation is so disconnected from truth, so lied to by everyone from their religion to their own parents to their school teachers, it's harder and harder to find a way. It's a whole, we understand it's the Holy Spirit that brings conviction, but it's harder and harder because they have been lied to so many times. Their heart has been hardened by the lies and the deceit that they have listened to for decades. Then you sit them in a church environment, you open up a Bible, you know what they're doing? They're arguing in their mind with everything that's being said. This is why we need to be, need to be more Holy Spirit filled than ever before. This is why the Holy Spirit does not do a work. There is no way any preacher, I don't care who we bring in, it's not dependent upon who we bring in, it's dependent upon the Holy Spirit of God working in the hearts of these children and these young people to bring them under conviction. Here's the benefit of being a soul winner. You're a light in a dark place. God's going to use you to rescue someone. I remember years ago, Brother Wes, I told that story here at Missions Conference. Uh, Katie, something, I don't remember uh, her last name, gave her name there in New York, living in an apartment, and uh, 
She got out of her car that night coming home from work. She was attacked. And as she tried to make it to her apartment door, she screamed and was stabbed repeatedly. She died at the front door of her house. And when the police came and he interviewed the neighbors, 37 people had heard her cries and not one person had responded. I remember that story. I think of all the years of medicine conferences, if there's one story I've never forgotten, it's that one. Isn't it amazing to think this week we'll have hundreds of kids that are crying out for help. If you're not careful, you'll be so cold in there crying out. You'll say, well, I'm here to serve cookies. You're not here to serve cookies. If those kids never get a cookie, it'll never affect their life. This is not about you serving cookies. Well, I'm here uh, to, uh, to, to make sure the, the van gets to the front door, and I'm here to make sure the kid is in the right seat, and I'm here to make sure uh, the, the bathrooms are clean. I'm No, 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 no. No, hold on for a second. I need everybody to understand. If, if you miss everything else I preach the rest of the year, it's okay as long as you get this. I need everyone here to understand you're... Everyone on this property is here for one purpose, to connect each individual child to Jesus Christ. When you look at that child, you need to say, what can I do today to help connect this child to Jesus Christ? And if I stop a distraction, it's to help this child connect to Jesus Christ. That's the purpose of every dollar that we spend and everything we do this week. It's about making sure every person in here is the designated batter. You're the designated soul winner. So if you're not filled with the Spirit and prepared to give some of the gospel, 1300 Red Street is not the place for you this week. Get them, well, I, I don't, I'm not confident in my presentation of the gospel. I don't need you to be confident. I just need you to get some gospel out. You, you put a layer out there and someone else put another layer out there and a teacher put another layer out there and the soul winner put out another layer and guess what, sooner or later, uh, that light will turn on and the understanding will happen. The Holy Spirit of God will be able to work with that scripture and everything that's said and done. Amen. You can participate in rescuing a soul from hell. Now, uh, here's, here's what we need to do. Pray, God give us boldness. I want to be simplistic in my approach. I want to make sure I'm not deviating from subject matter and classes and everything else, teachers. I'm all for making sure our kids get additional teaching. The kids in this church go to church every day of the week. I'm not worried about Wes getting more Bible. Mom can give it to him tomorrow night and the next night, and then his school teacher will give it to him, and Wes will get some plenty of Bible over the course of his life. Amen? I'm, I'm thankful this guy got it. I mean, he got it. Tony, I've often wondered over the course of my life, how do people get it? Some, something that happened when we went to Bible college. Um, when I was 13, 14, I, I really think when we went up to that conference in Dallas, God, God really used that. I know Jack House gets a lot of criticism, but I often think, you know what? 
when you when you do something anywhere close to what that man did for God, then I'll listen to your criticism of him. But he preached a message, simplistic message, four calls of soul winning. And God lit a fire in my heart. And I remember at that time thinking, God, as long as I live, I want my life to be used to rescue the lost. I just wanted to be used to rescue the lost. I didn't know about my calling to preach in detail. I didn't know what God was going to have me do. I had no idea about Argentina or Mexico, Cap City Baptist Church. I just thought, whatever I do, wherever I'm at, I want to be used to reach the lost. But I've been pastoring for 30 years now. And I've often wondered, God, what, what is it, Gene, that turns on the light inside of a Christian? Because so few have the light lit. I'm not talking about involvement. I'm not talking about volunteering. I'm not talking about, you know, I'll, I'll go sowing. I'm not even, there's some people who've been sowing consistently for 30 years. They go every Saturday. But you know, the light's not lit. It's not a passion. It's, it's not its presence and involvement. How, how is it, Kim and Anita, that we went to Bible college, such a great percentage of those kids that were coming out had a light that got lit. What lit that light for the gospel? What was it that stirred up that passion that said, let's spend our lives for Jesus Christ and doing everything we can to reach the lost with the gospel? I thank God for the involvement, but if I, if I look back over the course of my ministry, I can point to a few imperfect people. Marina there at the hospital, that lady witnessed to everyone all the time. The phone calls, the times I went down to the hospital, Folks, you know I'm not a big fan of hospitals, but we want dozens and dozens and dozens of people to Christ. That psychologist that we had in the church, say, can a psychologist be saved? He was. And he, most of the people we had with money, Pachuca, we won because that psychologist is dealing with the, these, these are people that are constantly having death threats and kidnapping threats and kidnappings and uh, having emotional breakdowns because of all those things that were going on in Mexico. And... Uh, he, he would go and sit with those families for three or four sessions, and then he'd say, you know what, your case is too big for me. I need you to talk to my therapist, and he'd bring me over. I don't know how many times, Dr. Adam Thompson, therapist of Juan Manuel. God allowed us to reach people, but his, his light was lit, and it wasn't a passing fad. It wasn't something occasionally he thought of. It wasn't a track. It was a light that said, how can I get this person? How can I get the next person to Jesus Christ? And we're all at Hondro. And he came to me. I started picking him up, bring him to church when he was probably 19 years old. The biggest nosed, ugliest looking beakster that I'd ever seen in my life. I had no idea what God was going to do with that kid. We started bringing him to church. He got on fire. He said, Pastor, I think God's called me to preach. I said, Alex... You got a year left of college. Finish your secular degree. I'll put you through Bible college, but finish your secular degree. You got a year left. And here's it. Here's how you prove that you truly uh, want to be used of God. Uh, that university has no gospel witness in it. Uh, start a Bible study. I'll come do the Bible study for you. You bring the kids in. You be a witness. Over the next nine months, Alejandro won 38, 38 college students to Christ that came and got baptized. Edgar, one of our pastors that you guys have met, he was one to Christ because his sister was reached by Alejandro at that university. 
he got us in one night to preach to the kids during a class in an auditorium that seated 400 people and they had to lock the doors after we had 500 people in the auditorium and they gave me two hours to go through the gospel with those kids because someone decided to be a light. But here's my question to all. After all the times you preach on soul winning, why is it that so few ever really get it? Why is it if we believe heaven is real? What would God have to actually do for a Christian to say, this life is about so much more than me eating and breathing and paying bills? We're not talking about a ministry position. We're not talking about a calling. We're not talking about if you're a pastor or an evangelist or a missionary or a pastor's wife or a pianist. We're not talking about any of that. We're talking about a great commission and a God that says, go home Start with your family and tell them, and this man reached 10 cities with a testimony because he got it. I was thinking this afternoon, what I'd give in this church service tonight, what I'd give just to have one person have their light, just one, just one person tonight truly leave here with a consuming passion for the rest of their lives to say, God, would you allow me to see people saved? This isn't about, listen folks, this isn't about the fact that I get to be there when they get on their knees and and say a sinner's prayer. This is about me finding a way every day to connect someone to God. And maybe I use you, maybe I use a ministry, or maybe I use a visit, maybe I use a Spanish church. It doesn't matter what it is. This is about saying somehow today, somehow today, I, on my birthday, I'm not saying that, it's just you have a very fleshly carnal pastor, but on my birthday I got out and I said, God, if you give me a soul today, I was able to witness to a guy. I was trying to cheat, desperately cheat, by taking flowers and meals and thinking, God, if I'm not full enough of the Holy Spirit, maybe an act of kindness will get someone to open up and allow me to have a birthday gift today. Didn't happen, but a few hurt. A Christian, what, what is it in the Christian life that we allow just to become ritualistic and overlook? We truly have gotten to the point where we overlook the purpose of all of the purpose of junior church and the purpose of that class and the purpose of team class and the bus route and whatever it is we're doing. This is supposed to be about the next person being introduced to Christ and training the next person to be focused on leading that person to Christ. That's it. Maybe if when I die you put on my tombstone, he pushed us too hard to reach the lost. I hope you complain about me after death. He was always harping on soul winning. He afflicted me. We always knew it was just like a rotation. You're going to throw in soul winning. When are you going to stop mentioning it? When we have 100% involvement and we've got some people that are really, really lit for the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ.